Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live with episode 130 of the G Meeker MMA show. Just wrapped up segments last week. We're back. We're back and it's a good time, ladies and gentlemen. We got a lot of stuff. <laughs> Some interesting shit to talk about on today's podcast. It is beautiful Monday. The 11th, 2017, December 11th, obviously a couple weeks before Christmas. Like I said on the last episode, I was like, what are you going to, what are you guys going to do? I know I'm probably just going to chill. When we have a Christmas podcast, you never know. You never know what we're going to do from like the time we start to the time we end. But um, we do have some fights this week. The UFC is back again. So, that's excellent. Um, I forgot which, uh, um, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to find the picture. Canada, it's, it's, it's in Canada. Um, ah, Lawler versus Dos Anjos. This is an excellent card. This is a fucking excellent card. Like, this card is is probably one of the most exciting cards that the UFC can put together. The thing is, we've said that about three other cards already. The Max Holloway card, the George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping card, and I think it was just those last two. The last two were so excellent. And then now that we have this other card, it's even better. Like... This card, obviously, if it has Robbie Lawler on it, it's going to be one of the most, like, chaotic kind of cards we're going to have because of the fact that these two guys are going to throw down like there's no tomorrow. So, in the main event, it's Robbie Lawler versus Rafael Dos Anjos. In the co-main event, Carl Lama's taking on Team Alpha Mills, Josh Emmett. Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Mike Perry. That should be an excellent one. I'm curious to see how Mike Perry handles the very... It's fantastic striking of Pontinibio. Pontinibio has power. He, he's a great counter striker. He's fast. He's quick. But Mike Perry is young. He's explosive. He's on a mission. You know, he's putting all of his work together. You know, his beautiful knockout of uh, Jake Allenberg in his last fight was fucking beautiful, man. There's there's no other way, you know. The welterweight division, the 170-pound division, say what you want about, you know, Colby Covington and the rest, you know, the guys that already fought from the, from the division. So... What I mean by that, like, for challenges, for Tyron Woodley's next title defense, um, you know, he has, uh, I'm not saying that these young guns are going to be the next things to challenge Tyron Woodley, but they could be in the runnings. Guys like Darren Till, guys like Mike Perry, you know, guys like Santiago Ponzinibbio, these guys need to build themselves up continuously, and they're doing that. By all means, they're doing that by their performances. They're doing that by just being them, just fighting the way that they fight, competing the way they compete, and they're just making stars out of beating up on on top competition. You know, guys, Kelvin Gaston, perfect example of that. He beats, he just beats everyone that he put in, they put in front of him. Um, that's what these new guys are. So this is this that's gonna be a, a, a like a. It definitely is going to be a great fight card because not only do we have those guys to share our returns to to fight Jerry Cannonier, Jan Vahovich versus uh oh no no Teixeira is fighting Serkinov I was Serkinov Misha Serkinov Jerry Cannonier returns to fight a Jan Vahovich um oh Chad Laprise returns ooh this is a good one John McDessie versus Angel Chihiro that's going to be a barn burner. Um, Jordan Meehan versus Eric Silva, Nordine Talab versus Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. A couple of guys I really don't know on the card. Like um, Tim Elliott's opponent was replaced recently, and uh, you know Lamas. You know Josh Emmett's a you know it's not he's not a ranked guy, but you know for Ricardo Lamas for him to get a win over it was, it was originally supposed to be Jose Aldo, but you know like I said in the last episode that Jose Aldo was um. Obviously, went to fight Max Holloway, so he was pulled, and then that's what happened. But anyway, that's going to be a great fight. Let's talk about the main event. Like, that's a big fight for title contention right there. I think that is the number one contender's fight right right now.
So for that fight, uh, I mean, for the title shot for Tyron Woodley to to secure a title shot against Tyron Woodley, that's what these two fights are: Lawler versus Osanos, and maybe Ponzio versus Perry. Because for Mike Perry, if he is to cap off a win against Santiago, he will be ranked because Santiago is ranked in the top ten. And you know, maybe one more fight after that. You know, it's perfect for Mike Perry actually to to backtrack real quick. Has he get a win over Santiago? That sets up the super fight with Darren Till. Now, it's not a guaranteed super fight, but it is a, a star in the makings kind of fight. You know, both guys don't like each other. They were jawing at each other after Till's win. Perry was there. You know, it kind of showed it as a promotional thing. And, and it really set up an opportunity for a new fight. A good fight. A big fight. So that could be next, but you know, the stock goes down if Mike Perry doesn't get this win. But for, for Robbie Lawler, Rafael de Sanos, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an excellent fight. You know, I don't know if Rafael de Sanos can, you know, it's, this is, you know, I'm going to regret saying this later because I don't doubt, I don't doubt Rafael de Sanos by any means whatsoever. But, um, there, there's just something about Robbie Lawler that a lot of people can't, <laughs> they can't, they can't measure it. They can't, they can't mix with it. They can't compete with it. You know, this, the chaos, the chaotic pace that Robbie Lawler comes at you with, just come, he, he comes in to take your head off with every single punch. Like every single one of his punches are intended for 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 bad have bad intentions, <laughs> he's coming in there to knock your head off. Now we have seen Dos Anjos get caught. Now Robbie possesses a lot of power. He has a lot of precise striking. He has knockout power. You know he has knockout power not only in his punches. He has knockout power in his kicks and his elbows. You know he has flying knee knockouts. He his knees. Robbie Lawler is fantastic in in all the areas of the game. Like Robbie Lawler used to wrestle. But he fell in love with his power, and he just loved to knock people out. So that's what he's that's what his that's what he's mostly known for. You know, Rafael dos Anjos didn't start off, you know, as a striker. He he, he was a jujitsu he was a jujitsu guy, and then he molded himself into having some superior striking, being able to compete with the best strikers and best fighters in the world because of his training with Rafael Cordero. Rafael Cordero is one of the best um, coaches on the, on the planet when it comes to striking. I mean, look what he did with, with Verdum, another guy who started off with the, as a phenomenal jiu-jitsu competitor. Now is one of the fantastic, most fantastic strikers who's beaten the likes of Fedor Milenenko and outstriking Cain Velasquez. So Verdum's excellent. Dos Anjos is excellent. Look what he did. He knocked out Benson Henderson. Who's knocked out Benson Henderson? Rafael Dos Anjos knocked Benson Henderson out. He obviously slipped up against Eddie Alvarez, but, um, you know, he's still a fantastic fighter. You know, he got smothered by Habib. Um, you know, he was knocked out early in, early on in his career by Stevens and, and all that. Um, his jaw broken by Clay Guida. But um, other than that, you know, Rafael Dos Anjos is really, you know, he's had an amazing title reign. He was an excellent title uh, world champion. I, you know, I was watching him for the longest time before his fight with uh, Anthony Pettis when Anthony Pettis was a champion. I was like, I was thinking in my head, I was like, dude, this guy is unstoppable. I wonder who he's going to be. And all of a sudden, when that fight was announced, him and Pettis, dude, I was like, there's no way in fucking hell this guy is going to be... Rafael Dos Anjos. Rafael Dos Anjos is on fire. And then he beats the fuck out of Anthony Pettis for five whole rounds. For five entire rounds. He just beats him up for five rounds. And, um, takes home the title. Did he defend his title? Did he just, did Rafael Dos Anjos defend his title? Or did, was his first title defense against Eddie Alvarez? It seems too soon. Let me see real quick. We're at the five-minute mark already. Damn. Let's see. Rafael Dos Anjos. Let me just pull that up real quick. Dude, that's an excellent fucking fight. I can't wait for this. He's, he's, I can't wait for this. Oh, he did, huh? Looking at his Wikipedia right now, he did defend.
He did defend his belt. It was against Donald Cerrone on the Fox card, the the, the UFC on Fox card, Dos Anjos versus uh, Cowboy 2. And um, he did defend. I didn't know Cowboy Cerrone worked himself up to a title shot. That's impressive. I thought he was like, I thought he was just like, he barely made it up to there. I didn't know that it was it was for the title when he fought uh, Dos Anjos. But, um, damn, that's impressive. But, yeah, Rafael Dos Anjos does have his hands full with with one of the best strikers in the welterweight division in the form of Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's very, very ferocious, like I said. He's going to come forward. He's not going to give Dos Anjos room to breathe if Dos Anjos doesn't let him. You know, Dos Anjos can catch... Dos Anjos can crack him. He has excellent Muay Thai. He has excellent stand-up. He can mix it up well enough, I promise you, to be able to stand with Robbie Lawler. It's going to be one of those fantastic fights. I'm glad this fight was made. This is a chaotic fight. This is a fight of the night. Both men have potential to make this performance of the night. Both men have finishing capabilities, and it's going to be an excellent fight. I can't wait for this one. Definitely definitely proves to be a, a good, a good, good, good fight. It's a great fight. And um, obviously, Glover Teixeira versus Jared Cannon. I keep saying that. Glover Teixeira versus Misha Serkinov. <coughs> Excuse me. This is going to be a big test for, for Misha because, you know, he's fought a couple of, um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like. Glover is one of the biggest tests that Misha is going to fight. Now, I don't know too much about Misha Serkinov. That I know that he he fought. He he was one of the more popular guys, and he fought um he fought Volkan Ozdemir, and Volkan starched him. And other than that, I knew I knew who Misha was. It's just that I didn't follow him as much, you know. I'm I'm, I'm starting to get on the Volkan Ozdemir train after Volkan fights against DC, and if he wins or if he loses the way he fights and how it goes down, I'll I'll start to know more about him. But I was gonna say Glover Teixeira um, is uh, coming off of a knockout loss over Alexander Gustafson out of uh, from Alexander Gustafson. That was a that was a brutal fight. It was a it was a a long fight, and Alexander Gustafson unleashes like three uppercuts, three short uppercuts with his long arms, his long his long limbs just bam bam bam, and then he throws one left hook, one brutal left hook from hell, and knocks Glover on his ass, and then um, that was one of the most fantastic performances from Alexander Gustafson. That I, I've probably like ever seen for quite some time. Like, when is this guy gonna return? This guy, Alexander Gustafson, was inches away from being the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Say what you want; it doesn't matter about the steroids, big pills, whatever it is. John Jones, Alexander Gustafson was like a couple inches away from beating John Jones in a very close unanimous decision loss. If John was roided up, then Gustafson almost beat up a roided up John Jones. So, say what you want, but Gustafson definitely is one of the top contenders and definitely has a legitimate chance of fighting and, and possibly being the one to beat DC. And that would be another complete rivalry for DC. He's beaten Gustafson already. Gustafson comes back and beats him. And, you know, say DC beats up uh, Volkan Ozdemir. Volkan, I don't know if, he can, if, if it's going to win. We'll talk about that as time comes by when it comes sooner. So I mean, like when it comes by, like when it, when the fight's sooner, I'll talk about it. I think it's like seven weeks away. Uh, that's what DC said. Um, I think he said that. Seven days? No, seven weeks. I'm pretty sure it's seven weeks. But um, Gustafson definitely does have a good chance because he also had a good fight with Cormier. He's he's fighting the best of the best, and. Putting on his best of the best performances for every single fight that he's in. And, you know, the Jan Vahovic fight, you know, eh. But, you know, when he came back and he fought Glover and he was healthy, he looked like an absolute world beater. Beater. He looked like a future world champion. So, so Gustafson legitimately des definitely has a big shot to, you know, fight Cormier and, and become the champion. 
I mean, early on in that Gustafson fight, if you go circle back, how did we get into talking about this? But I just want to talk about it now. But if you see it early on in that Gustafson fight with Cormier, he did hurt Cormier a couple times, and he knocked him down. You know, we did see Cormier tested. I mean, we've seen Cormier get tested against Anthony Johnson the first time. When Anthony Johnson landed that, that overhand right from hell, knocked Cormier on his butt. Cormier was forced to get back up and retreated. You know, Anthony can't. Anthony Johnson was running at him like a bull train, uh, like a fucking bull. Just came charging at him, and and Cormier had to get up, and he had the will to get out of the way, and you know, eventually tie up Rumble because Rumble was swinging. He was he was throwing with all his might. He was throwing all his power into those shots, and then Cormier was able to out wrestle him. You know, Anthony was throwing all his power, so, you know, all his energy was going into throwing those big shots. He unloaded. Cormier took advantage of the wrestling. He took Anthony Johnson down. He beat him up on the floor. And when you beat him up on the floor, obviously, you know, it takes energy out. He zapped him. He was able to, you know, make him bleed and eventually lock in the submission. That's what he did both times. You know, the second fight. What the fuck about that second fight? Why was I... You know, I thought the strategy was... Anthony Johnson was, was, did he win a round in that fight? I'm pretty convinced he won the first round because he was wrestling Cormier. I mean, I don't know what his strategy was. I knew Anthony Johnson was a big guy and, and, and his cardio, you know, you never knew. I mean, he's went the distance before, but you just never knew how he was going to be at 205 pounds because he had to cut some weight. At heavyweight, I think that's when he went the distance with Arlovsky. I think he broke Arlovsky's jaw, but Arlovsky still went the distance. Did he? Ar Arlovsky went the distance with Anthony Johnson. That's fucking crazy. But he had a broken jaw, and he continued to fight throughout the whole fight. <clears throat> but as I was saying, for for um, Cormier is a beast, and I don't know. I mean, obviously he slipped up against John twice, but you know he is a legitimate light heavyweight champion. Gustafson has a chance. There's a there's a couple of there's a few contenders left in the division. So people are saying the light heavyweight division shit right now. It, it, it honestly, it's it's not at the best point in its career in, in its in its histories right now, but we've got Gustafson, and Gustafson obviously had some. I think he had shoulder surgery or something like that. He's coming off some sur shoulder surgery, and on his Instagram, he's posted a he's posted up some uh, pictures of, of his recovery. So he should be on his recovery way and be on his um way back. You know, slowly but surely getting back into training. But a healthy Gustafson looks fantastic, you know. That's going to be a dangerous Gustafson. I just don't know how he's going to look when he comes back because of his shoulder surgery. Because, you know, he's, he was injured. And I don't, I'm not sure he wants to really, uh, you know, possibly risk being injured again. So he may see a shitty fight from Gustafson when he comes back. But right now, as we speak, I still remember the performance he put on against Glover Teixeira. So that it shouldn't be that bad. You know, maybe he'll come back and look like a world beater. We never know. But um, as for contenders, that's that's probably possibly the next fight for them. Yeah, we went. I think it was because we were talking about Glover Teixeira, and we went from that, and then and we and we continued on with that. But um. Yeah, I think Glover Teixeira is going to beat the fuck out of a, a Misha Zirkunov, honestly. Misha doesn't have a chance. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he catches Glover on the on, on that withered chin of his. Because you got to think, in the Glover's last four fights, he's been knocked out twice. And brutally, you know, that 13-second that knock-in, I think it was like 13 seconds against Anthony Johnson. He just gets starched in that first round. And he just... And he drops, you know, supposedly he knocked his tooth out or something. But Anthony Johnson just beats the shit out of him. And and Glover has that very tough fight with the, with, with the, with the uh, Alexander Gustafson. Because Alexander Gustafson hurt him in the first round, too. And Glover lasted all the way up until the fifth round until he took those three short uppercuts. Bam, bam, bam. And he just falls down. And, and then after that, he... You, you know, he just, he, that's his last fight. Since then, he hasn't competed. So now, it, it's, it's a big opportunity for Misha Serkinov to really announce his name in that light heavyweight division. You know, getting a win over Glover Teixeira. Because Glover Teixeira, regardless of whatever point he is, whatever point he's at on his career, it, it shows that he he is, you know, a legitimate threat to Cormier's title. Oh yeah, we got we had some fights last week, didn't we? Um, 
obviously we've been having them. Swanson versus Ortega. Uh, Brian Brian Ortega defeated Cub Swanson by a third round submission, standing guillotine choke. It was beautiful. I didn't really see. I seen the highlights, and we could pull up some highlights right now or something or look at it. But you know. What a performance by Brian Ortega. You know, I was leaning on Cub Swanson. I thought Cub would get it done on the feet. And well, she did look good. He looked crisp on the feet. You know, it was just the fact that he got caught. This is a dangerous guy, you know. He had been doing jiu-jitsu for 14 years. I guarantee if you're doing jiu-jitsu for 14 years, you're pretty damn good. So, Brian Ortega latches up the guillotine choke, submits Cub Swanson, Cubs last fight on the UFC's UFC contract. Is he going to resign? I hope so. You know, because like I said last on the last episode of the podcast, he is a fantastic fighter. He was bred with the WEC. He's made it with the UFC. He's done a lot of fantastic things. He has an exciting style. He's a fan friendly type of guy. He has a knock. He has knockout power. He's always exciting. He, he, and we need him. You know, the UFC needs him. The featherweight division needs him. So I feel that Cub Swanson deserves a UFC contract, a new UFC contract, a good deal for him because he does have his baby. You know, he has his new baby, has his family now, and he has to provide. He wants to make sure that she has the best, uh, the best life that she can possibly have. So. Cub Swanson gets a new gets a new UFC deal that will be better. But you know, for Brian Ortega now, this announces officially announces his arrival in the division. You know, his last fight, I think, uh, who was his last fight with before he fought Cub Swanson? Let me look real quick. Um, but you know, this officially announces his arrival. But when it comes to title shots, um, I wouldn't jump the gun just yet. You know, because we got guys like Frankie Edgar. You know, we, now we know. You know, Frankie Edgar comes back and very likely is the next guy to fight Max Holloway. So when Frankie Edgar fights Max Holloway, the winner of them can fight Brian Ortega. Now, in the meantime, so far, as as what I'm what I'm seeing, Brian Ortega isn't interested in taking any other fights unless it's waiting for the title shot. Now, waiting for the title shot, you know, that has its ups and downs and ifs and ands. But, um, you know, I feel that, you know, he doesn't have to wait too long because Max, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure Max will come back when, when the UFC asks him or, or right, whenever he feels that he wants to come back and the UFC has a plan for him, you know, Max will come back and it will be against Frankie Edgar. When Frankie Edgar's back and the UFC knows that he's okay and he, he can resume training and prepare for fights, then, you know, most likely the UFC will contact Max and Max and Frankie can happen and then Brian Ortega. Cause you know, Brian Ortega, I'm telling you, the jujitsu, the jujitsu parts, uh, athletes are some of the best, you know. The thing is, Brian Ortega is not just submitting dudes. He's knocking them out too. He knocked out Clay Guida. You gotta think about that. He knocked him out in the third round. It was a close fight. I felt that it was a close fight. And Brian just unleashes his flying knee and knocks Clay Guida out. You know, Ryan Ortega is fantastic. I, I really like this guy. You know, really, really curious to see what he can do. I want to see if he's a future. You know, he's a fantastic guy. He looks good. He's pretty, he's phenomenal in jujitsu. He's, his striking can get a little bit better, but you know, he's fantastic. You know, he's been able to hang in with the best of the best and, you know, and, and do it and look impressive while doing it. Like, oh my. This guy is like the third round finisher. Like he, you know, always expecting a, a, a finish in the third round, which he did get a finish in the third round. I'm pretty sure, and and he's looked fantastic doing it. So you know, can he beat Frankie? Guys like Frankie Edgar. Can he beat guys? Obviously, he beat Cub Swanson, so he's not too far away. You know. Uh, now, if it like for example, if we were throwing him in there with with some people and he didn't get the title shot right now, if he took like a fight. Right now, what would he take? Who, who who do I see him matching him up, getting matched up with? Um, I'd probably have to say like, uh, I don't know if he can hang with Jose Aldo, but then again, based off of Jose Aldo's last two fights, I, I mean, he still is pretty dangerous. You know, he he, he did lose to a streaking Max Holloway, a Max Holloway who's on fire. So we don't know how. I don't know. How anyone else does against Jose Aldo right now? I have to see one more fight with Jose and then see where is where he is before I rank him. But I think Jose is a is not really a good fight for for Brian right now.
Now, I'm not saying he can't hang in with Jose Aldo or anything like that. I just don't feel that it's a good fight for Brian right now. Be not because not because Jose is coming off of a... I mean, it's, it's possibly because that. You know, Jose just lost twice against Max Holloway. And, and Brian just won. So, obviously, Jose is probably going to take a lot more time off because he did take this fight on short notice, but he wasn't training on short notice. He was training for Ricardo Lamas later this week, this weekend, he was training for Ricardo Lamas, and he fought earlier, so he, it's a three weeks notice, so he's just, he didn't have as much time to train, and he wasn't even training for Max Holloway, it's just, who can beat Max Holloway right now, so, so for matchups for Brian Ortega, I'd probably say like a, a Ricardo Lamas, because he beat Cub Swanson already, and Jose Aldo is probably not going to fight for a little bit till mid-2018 or something like that. And uh, there's, no, no, there's no really other big fights for him. Tough fights, I think. A tough, tough fight for, for Brian Ortega would probably be a Jeremy Stevens. Because Jeremy Stevens is a bomber. He throws nothing but bombs. He throws, I promise you with this... He throws with ill intentions. You know, when he turns into a fully-fledged, like, you know, he's a pure striker. He's obviously a wrestling background, but he throws, and he has some knockout power. You see that knockout of Rafael Dos Anjos. He's, he's knocked out Dennis Bermudez with a flying knee. Uh, and, um... I think he beat uh, Henan Barrow as well. I think, dude, he, his power was was something. Is something new. you know, he, he beat he beat Gilbert Melendez as well. Yeah, he was those unleashed those leg kicks. He, uh, that wasn't that was a unanimous decision victory. But I felt he looked excellent in that fight. You know, he neutralized Gilbert's game plan. You know, Gilbert Gilbert, uh, no disrespect or anything, but over the years, you know, just hasn't evolved to the upper echelon of what UFC athletes are today. You know, his one style that he's been able to do for so many years and look good doing it, you know, beating great guys in UFC right now, like Jorge Masvidal and all that. He's beating all those great guys back when the styles were limited. You know, fighters weren't as as prime as they are today, you know, he, he's not able to hang, he's able to hang, he's tough, you know, but t being tough only goes so far, in this game, being tough only goes a little bit, uh, a, a little bit of ways, you can survive, but you're not going to look competitive, we don't want to just see you guys get beat up, like, you know, like, take unnecessary fights, take an unnecessary punishment, we don't want to see none of that, we want to see, we want to see, Prime versus prime. We want to see the older guys versus the older guys. Don't throw Edson Barbosa in there with Gilbert Melendez. Don't throw Jeremy Stevens in there with Gilbert Melendez. Give Gilbert Melendez somebody that's going to give him a good and competitive fight that's not on their way up. That's not somebody that's still in their prime. Give Gilbert someone that's out of their prime. I, I, this, is, this is one of the things I don't like about when the UFC puts good guys, young guys, like Yair Rodriguez versus a BJ Penn. No one wants to see that. I knew, <laughs> I knew for the jump BJ Penn wasn't winning that fight for damn sure. Put a gun to my head and blow my head off 100% sure that BJ Penn was going to get destroyed by Yair Rodriguez. So I'm not a fan of mismatches. So, so um, I'm good off all those mismatches. That's for damn sure. And, um, but other than that, um, ooh, what the fuck were you even talking about? Mismatches. Jumping back to, to Ortega. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't know for it. O Ortega can't, um, or Ortega is like a prime example of what Yair Rodriguez is. A prospect. They're both, pro I think because of what Ortega did, over the weekend makes him a little bit more higher a prospect, but you know, for the Frankie Eggers of the world, you know, I feel that uh Ortega definitely is a very dangerous guy, but you know but when someone who hits hard that can push the pace, that can avoid the jujitsu, that can keep it on the feet, it's gonna be a dangerous night for him. 
I mean, because we already seen Yair get beaten up by Frankie Edgar, so Ortega, I wouldn't like to see that happen next. I like this. I like this is what I'm saying. Like, I like to see these young prospects get fights that make sense for them. So Ortega can take on like a Yair Rodriguez or something, or or somebody somebody outside of that, or wait for the title shot. But oh oh oh, circle back. What I was talking about, dude. Jeremy Stevens. Oh, we were talking about oh, Jeremy Stevens, and then we're talking about him beating up on Gilbert Melendez, and then we went to talking about from talking about beating up on Gilbert Melendez to Gilbert not being able to hang in with the with the new upper echelon because of the you know how we just jumped into talking about how old fighters can't compete with them. That's that's how we jumped in. You see what we do on the show? We jump in. We jump into different topics and we talk about a bunch of different stuff all in one. If you understand the fight game like you're supposed to and you're smart and you're knowledgeable you're gonna get all these great things this is great info you guys are missing out a lot of the people that don't hear this podcast are missing out because this is a unique way i provide a unique way i try to provide it a unique way for every single person that listens to this podcast i want to affect it i want you guys to open your eyes i want you guys to explore your minds Give me your thoughts. I want I want to try to connect with each and every one of the people that listen to this podcast. All listeners, from from the ones that casually listen to the ones who say they listen, the ones who don't tell me they listen, but they do listen. I know they listen, and um, you know, I want I want you guys to to enjoy this one. Man, doing podcast stone is good because early on, before I even started the podcast, I was just like, I want to do a podcast. You know, yesterday I was just like, you know. I'm so thrown right now. I'm talking. I was just talking for like the longest time. And I was talking in detail. <laughs> I was actually just explaining some things, talking about them, some things. And I'm like, every time I talk, it's like a fucking podcast. So having the best podcast means just talking about all your ideas. There's nobody that 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 has the perfect podcast. The perfect podcast doesn't exist. Everybody does a podcast that's that's different. Like there's different there's different things to talk about in podcasts. Obviously, there's a lot of sports, mixed martial arts podcasts from professional ones to amateurs to people that don't even really podcast. Some people that go on YouTube. There's there's a lot of ones. So a lot of them to pick from from Ariel's show to Joe Rogan's show to Firing the Kid to Jimmy Kimmel show, obviously to BJ Penn Radio and, and all that. There's a bunch of different stuff, bunch of different places that are going to talk about upcoming UFC fights. They're going to give their their opinions on it and all that. This is the real fucking deal right here. I, I talk about these things. Everybody's honestly going to um, talk about the same thing. It's just a matter of um, how you put it together. You know what I mean? Like It's just a matter of how you decide to talk about it if you joke about it if you if you give your uneducated opinions about it if you just talk about it kind of give your brief descriptions of it you know i like to explain the ins and outs of everything that goes on so it 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 honestly just matters it just whatever way you you want to show your podcast off or whatever it is you do whatever it is you talk about talk about it which in whichever fucking way you want to it doesn't matter how you talk about it, it just matters that you make sense and you can reach out to these people and these people can acknowledge what it is that you talk about, which is mixed martial arts. Primarily, we just talk about the sports. We're recapping a lot of the sports. And um, speaking of recapping, we just got um, officially for, for Ortega, just basically wait for that title shot. But um, because I feel that he will get it, man, if Frankie Edgar fights him. If Frankie Edgar fights Max, and after that, later on this year, maybe Ortega can fight and possibly have an opportunity to become a world champion. All right, what's next? Um, all right, jump back. To, let's jump back to the main event. Rafael Desanos versus Robbie Lawler. The winner fights Tyron Woodley. How does this go, though? That's the thing. Because Tyron said he's gonna get shoulder surgery, and he's he doesn't uh, he's backtracking. He's saying he's gonna get he's not gonna get it, and you know he has fighters to fight. 
You know, maybe people just aren't waiting for the Colby Covington fight because they feel that they'd rather see a more exciting fight. Now, we're going to talk about both sides of this. This is why I didn't want to talk about the main event because it transpires and jumps into a lot of other possible options for Tyron Woodley. I'm also just going to say the winner of Lawler Jostanos is going to fight Tyron Woodley because we never know if that's going to be true. You don't know if that's going to be true. You never know what the UFC is going to do nowadays. So, Tyron Woodley's not mentioning Colby Covington's name. He's not intending on fighting Colby Covington. He said it in a couple statements, like if he, it would be the last time Colby fought if he fought Tyron Woodley. But, you know, Colby has honestly deserved a shot. I mean, it's a sellable fight, but, you know, it depends on what Tyron Woodley is going to do. Is he going to fight the winner of Lawler Dos Anjos later on in 2018? How long is he going to be out? How long is the soldier surgery recovery going to be? We don't know these things just yet until he officially tells us. Is he even going to take the soldier, soldier, uh, shoulder surgery? He was going to fight Nate Diaz at one point. He was, he was going to fight Nate Diaz. I think in Boston. Wasn't it in Boston? I'm pretty sure he was going to fight Nate Diaz in Boston, but without taking the shoulder surgery. The thing is, he was going to fight Nate Diaz versus fighting Colby Covington. So with that be happening, that established a lot of problems for a lot of fight fans, a lot of Woodley haters. Oh, why is he taking this fight? Why is he going to, why is he not taking a fight with Colby with his shoulder surgery? You know, I support Colby Covington. I love Colby Covington. He's, he's fun. He's entertaining. He's what we need in the sport. But these are the facts right here. All right. You can't, you can't hate somebody for being real. When it comes to what the WMEIMG, this new organization that bought the UFC for $4 billion, they want entertainment. They don't want what people deserve. They want entertainment. So when Conor McGregor makes uh, makes the statements that he wants to fight for multiple titles in different divisions and you know opts to not defend the featherweight title right away, Okay, how much money? Agree with Dana. They have to make a deal. They have to finalize it. Both sides at the party. Both sides have to sign the contracts and negotiate. It takes a little bit of time, but the fight get, fight gets done. He comes. He beats Eddie Alvarez. He becomes a first simultaneously two division champion. And there we go. Connor wants to fight Floyd. Dana entertains it. Connor fights Floyd and makes a hundred million dollars and has a fought sense. So they like this entertainment thing. They like to be represented. They like to trash talk. A lot of these don't get good ratings unless, you know, that they're, they're real good fights. And the people sell. You know, it's up to the fighters to sell the fights when, you know, the UFC necessarily isn't, you know, obviously, like, you know, it's not one of the highest paid UFC things. But depending on the fighters, depending on who's who's fighting, depending on the trash talk, the buildup, the uh, the videos, the, the, the pre-fight shows, everything, just everything. The way that it comes when it comes time to promote this certain fight card, whatever fight card it is that you're on, that's... What makes the views? That's what everything is. That's what establishes everything. If people know that Conor McGregor is going to fight on this card, okay, let's board our tickets. Let me call in for work on those days. Let me schedule for vacation time. Let me do this. And his family's going to fly out. Fans all over the world are going to fly to Ireland or to Las Vegas or to wherever just to see Conor McGregor fight. So that's what I mean by. Like, you know, you get it, right? Makes sense. Versus, like, you know, Colby Covington. We've seen his fighting style. The way he is, he pressures guys. He he, he, he smothers them. He shuts them down. He wins. You know, he wins and beats them up. But it's, it's not what people want to see. They want to see people stand and bang and talk shit. They want to see people get hurt. They want to see people stand and bang and not dominate someone against with wrestling. That's the same people who had problems with Damian Maya about that as well. And honestly, what I mean by that is that it's a styles thing. This big, this big statement that, that comes up in the world of mixed martial arts, styles make fights. You're not going to want to see two guys that, that are great wrestlers 
wrestle each other. When when you get two guys that are great wrestlers, they end up standing and striking with each other. But you got a guy, uh, Kobe Covington, who he did stand with Damian Maya, and he beat up Damian Maya on the feet. It wasn't the most you know exciting fight, but he did dominate Damian Maya. He did uh he did secure that unanimous decision victory, and you know people don't appreciate the style. So when you have a guy like Tyron Woodley, who's got who's known for his knockout power, who's known for his, his speed, who's known for his fantastic wrestling skills, it, it, putting him against a guy like a Colby Covington, who's gonna try to get a hold of him, who's gonna try to hold him, who what's the most Colby's gonna do? Colby's Colby's not gonna knock out Tyron Woodley. He's he, he's gonna he's gonna beat him down. He, he he's not gonna allow him to breathe, and he's gonna do what he's done to all of his other opponents. But it's not gonna be an exciting fight. When you have a, a Stephen Thompson fight, let me tell you something about that fight. A lot of people criticize that fight, but for me, honestly, that was an anxiety-filled fight. If I were to watch that fight right now. And that was one of the fights to happen. I would, I would, I would obviously be very, uh, very uh, obviously. I would, I would get bored. I would get pissed off. But it's an anxiety-filled fight on the night of the fight when you're watching it up close. When you're, when I watched our pay-per-view on two UFC 205 the first time they met, dude, it was an anxiety-filled fight. So people want to see exciting style, exciting style fight. Stylistically made fights for each other. Lawler versus versus Dos Anjos is a stylistically an exciting fight to watch because they're both strikers, because they're both have power, because they're both somewhat in their prime, and they're both you know both exciting guys to watch. Both guys that bring it every single time. So it should be an excellent fight. And um, um, like I said, for Tyron Woodley, he 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 has opportunities. And whatever he does determines the winner. You know, the winner of Dos Anjos and Lawler will possibly fight Tyron Woodley next. Or if Tyron Woodley gets a shoulder surgery, then I don't know what the UFC is going to plan on doing with Colby Covington. Because Colby is number three. And Dos Anjos and uh, Lawler, I think, are number one and number two. And Colby's number three. So the winner of Dos Anjos and, and, and uh Lawler may end up fighting Colby Covington if that's what the UFC does. If Tyron Woodley doesn't do his uh, shoulder surgery. Alright, what's next? It's, it's awesome. It's fucking Monday and we're fucking live. And there's a lot of other podcasts. I think Joe Rogan's live. I just got a notification that Joe's live. Shout out, shout out to everyone that's live right now. We're all live. Monday's the day for releasing podcasts. So I figure we should just release a podcast today and, and, and finish it up with the, finish it up with that. You know, I'm excited for, um, UFC 219 actually because it, there's a great, there's a great deal of great fights on that card. UFC 219 is headlined by UFC Women's Featherweight Champion Chris Cyborg taking on Holly Holm for the UFC Women's Featherweight title. That's one of the most anticipated fights because Holly Holm is one of the greatest women's strikers, female strikers in mixed martial arts history. And so Cyborg, Cyborg is like the Mike Tyson of women's mixed martial arts. Nobody wants to fight her. And, you know, kudos to every single one that wants to fight her because Cyborg is a terrifying, uh, uh, dangerous, you know, a vicious person. She's like John Lineker. She is like uh, Mike Tyson, John Lineker, and... And she's just for, and she's ferocious. She comes forward with precision strikes, but not just precision strikes. She has nasty power with every single strike that she throws. She's she's scary. She's not she's not like any other fighter. I think she would have destroyed Ronda Rousey. It's best that they kept Ronda from Chris Cyborg because she's that dangerous. And when you have a fight with a woman who's equally as dangerous in the form of Holly Holm, it makes for an in interesting, stylistically fun fight. Holly Holm is stylistically a very tough fight for Chris Cyborg, but it's not a it's not a a fight that Chris Cyborg can't win. Because the thing about Holly Holm is, you know, you, you wanna think that 
we want to think and sit here and say that Holly Holm could possibly pick apart Chris Cyborg because Holly Holm is a fantastic kickboxer with multiple years under her belt, multiple wins of kickboxing, and, and, and some quality wins in the world of mixed martial arts, you know, outside the UFC and in the UFC. But Holly Holm has lost to some very good strikers as well. I mean, look at the fantastic performance that Valentina Shevchenko did that she had against Holly Holm. We don't know if that could happen again. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no doubt that could happen. Holly Holm could get murked in the first round. Holly Holm could just get obliterated for five hard rounds. It could be a fun, it could be a tactical. This is the one I'm voting for. It's going to be a tactical performance by both fighters. Holly Holm's going to pressure Chris Cyborg. She's going to show Chris Cyborg that she's not afraid of her. She's not afraid of her. She said she would take that fight a long time ago. Before this fight was even announced. Before, back when Holly Holm was the champion, she was going to take the fight with Cyborg. So I highly doubt Holly Holm is not scared of Chris Cyborg. It's gonna, it should be a tactical fight. Holly Holm has the ability to dictate the pace. She's a fantastic striker. She's looked fantastic as of late. And I feel that that's going to be, that's going to be a fantastic fight. Because, you know, obviously Holm came back, uh, uh, she got a she got a, a a a victory in her last fight, and now she's one and three. But still, she holds a lot of great value. She's still a fantastic striker, and I feel that she's gonna do a lot. She she can do a lot to Chris Cyborg. She has the ability to beat Chris Cyborg. No one's ever really beaten Chris Cyborg in MMA before, except for like very first fight. And ever since then, she hasn't she hasn't lost. She's an absolute monster. But um, uh, other than that, she hasn't lost. But uh, who else do we have on that fight card? Habib Nurmagomedov versus Edson Barbosa. It's <laughs> a fucking great fight. I love that fight. Edson Barbosa is like one of the best strikers in all of MMA. You know, he has he has knockout power in his leg kicks. <laughs> Dude, you see that knockout of Terry Adam? That was fantastic. Um, his destruction of Gilbert Melendez as well. Um, and you know, he, he Edson Barbosa is one of the dangerous, most dangerous fighters on the planet. He's dangerous. He's one of the best strikers, if not the best striker in the UFC's 155 pound division. Now that's saying something. Edson Barbosa is one of the best strikers. In 155 pound division, you know, there's great strikers in the 155 pound division. It's just like he is one of the best. You know, he's precision, his leg kicks, he has some of the nastiest kicks as well. Him and Jose Aldo will probably have like some of the best leg kicks in all of MMA. So he is going up against a guy. He's he, this guy's not just a man, he's not just a man from Russia. He is a man on a mission. You know, ever since Rafael Dos Anjos was the champion at lightweight, Habib wanted a shot at the title. Now, Habib has been chomping at the bit for a long time. He has been injured. He has come back. And, you know, he's missed weight. He hasn't shown up because of weight issues. And he's been slated to fight Tony Ferguson for quite some time. And it hasn't fallen through. But Habib's healthy now. He's coming back. Now, Edson Barbosa is going up against a very, very tough, very, very, very strong, a very, very um, um, determined Habib Nurmagomedov. Habib has the type of energy that doesn't run out. Habib's not stopping. When he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. He he will beat the... You see what he did to Michael Johnson? He beat the fuck out of Michael Johnson. He was just beating him up. He didn't give him any points in time to be victorious. Except for that time that Michael Johnson did stand. And he caught Habib with a big shot. But then Habib just took him down and beat him up. And eventually tapped him. But it's an entertaining fight. It's a very dangerous fight for both men. You got the Dagestanian grappler Habib Nurmagomedov. He is a fantastic mixed martial artist. He's twenty-five and zero, taking on Edson Barbosa. 
Habib smothers people. He's relentless. His attack, with his attack, he's just relentless. He doesn't stop, man. He just keeps going. You know, he never gets tired. He, he He's relentless with his, his wrestling. You know, he, he, he has crazy, uh, he has power in his hands as well. You know, his ground and pound is pretty vicious. And um, I, I, Habib's a storm. Habib's a tornado. Habib's a hurricane. He, he He's not an easy fight by any means for anybody. You've got to realize Habib wrestles and holds his own with guys like Luke Rockhold and Daniel Cormier and Cain Velasquez. <laughs> I'm not kidding with you. Habib's not a guy that you should take lightly. Thank God Anthony Pettis wasn't the champion when Habib, when Habib officially was going to fight for a title. Because Anthony Pettis probably wouldn't be fighting right now. Habib's a killer. He's a beast. <laughs> We're thankful. I'm thankful to have a type of type of person like that in our sport because because uh, Habib is a dangerous guy. He's a future champion. He's an uncrowned champion. I want to see you. You guys don't know how bad I want to see that Tony Ferguson versus Habib fight. I wish Tony Ferguson would have taken that fight. I just want to see this fight so badly. They were so close to fighting. He showed up on weight. He showed up on weigh-ins. They had their weigh-in face-offs. It was fight week. And then Habib doesn't make it to the weigh-ins. So he doesn't make it to the weigh-ins. And then that fight never happens. So yet we're out of a great main event fight. Because two of the best lightweights that aren't the champions. Well, Tony Ferguson is the interim champion. But... I mean, for fights that are the most exciting fights that aren't for the belt, because Mc, Mc, I was going to say McNuggets because I'm talking about Tony, Fer Tony Ferguson, um, but it's Habib versus Tony Ferguson. That's an excellent fight. That's the fight we need to see. That's the uncrowned champion fight. Whoever wins that fight will be the champion, but it's a dangerous fight for Habib too because uh, Edson Barbosa is a dangerous fight. But we have seen Edson Barbosa get get beaten up before. You know, Michael Johnson beat him up on the feet. And if Edson Barbosa can't keep Habib off him, it's going to be a dangerous fight. But Habib can't take a lot of those leg kicks. Because, you know, obviously nobody in that camp, of Kane's camp, can probably kick with the velocity that Edson Barbosa throws because he just throws with velocity. He throws with power. He throws with ill intentions. He stops fights with leg kicks. So he, he's, he's very experienced when it comes to leg kicks. And if Habib keeps his distance from him and doesn't get a hold of him early, it's going to be leg kick city all day long, man. And it's going to be, a, it's going to, it's not going to be a good night for Habib because Habib could potentially have a fight stopped with leg kicks if he's not able to get a hold of Edson Barbosa, even potentially be stopped because Edson Barbosa can crack. But the thing is, can Edson Barbosa withstand the pressure that Habib can possess? It's it's the type that you can't teach. I'm telling you, you can't train for Habib. God forbid Habib's going to be undefeated for his whole entire career. It's going to take a special athlete. It's going to take a very, very special athlete to stop Habib Nurmagomedov. And whoever it is, I praise them for, I'm going to praise them for life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on. What do we got? What else we got on that card? We got Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker. That's an excellent fight. John Lineker taking that fight for Dominic Cruz because Dominic Cruz got a broken arm. But now it's going to be Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker. That's a great fight because Jimmy Rivera is one of, is one of the guys that I feel is, that's on um, it's on the rise. We're getting deep in the UFC 219. But he's one of those guys that potentially should have his next crack at the 135-pound title because he has put the work in. He has fought a lot of the best guys. He's beaten those best guys. And I'm telling you, these are the young lions that the UFC needs to keep continuing to make. You know, these are the guys that potentially will be future champions later on in their careers. These guys are the uncrowned champions. So 
Jimmy Rivera is the Uncrowned Champion. Tony Ferguson and Habib have to fight before I can officially, you know, decide who I feel is the Uncrowned Champion. Because you can't forget about Habib. But John Lineker is a guy that comes forward and he swings with reckless abandon. He has power in his hands and he hits very hard. It's just that he 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 has one style. And TJ Dillashaw is able to to, to, to um actually um you know expose that. You know, TJ Dillashaw just beat the fuck out of John Lineker. And that was a good fight. That was a great fight for TJ. He definitely did show John Lineker what, you know, I feel that John Lineker just has one style. And honestly, I feel like it's easy to beat the style that John Lineker has. Because his style is just to come forward and, and throw bombs. That's all he's known for. But a guy like Jimmy Rivera, this is a calculated guy. He's a patient guy. He's a guy with a lot of power, with a lot of speed, and he has a lot of knockout power of his own. So it could be a complete slugfest. But I feel that Jimmy Rivera knows what it is he's getting into. He knows that he, he has one style. He has he 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 mixes it up so well. He has KO power. He's he's qu quick. He's speed. He, his speed's fast. He has um cardio. He has good cardio, and he has all the tools to be a champion. You know, he has all the tools to to make a competitive fight with Dominic Cruz. I want to see that fight still, regardless, even if Dominic Cruz had a broken arm. But I do want to see Jimmy Rivera, um, you know, fight the best of the best and eventually get a title shot. You know, I feel he beats John Lineker. With the win over John Lineker, he definitely should have a win over that. You know, I feel like John Lineker just has that one style, and it, and it makes it easy to beat him. You know, just a lot of people have fallen prone to him. Try to slug with him. You know, he has an iron chin, obviously. You know, you haven't really seen him get knocked out or anything like that. But he just, you know, he swings with all his might. He has huge power. But he's he's one-dimensional. And I feel Jimmy will pick him apart. Carlos Condit versus Neil Magny. Honestly, very fortunate to be able to talk about another one of Carlos Condit's fights. Because he's finally returned. He's taken on... Uh, Neil Magny. Eh, Neil Magny's fought some good guys. He's fought, obviously, Tim Means. Tim Means is a good guy. He's, uh, fought Rafael dos Anjos. He was dominated by Rafael dos Anjos. Um, he's fought in Lorenz Larkins. Um, he's beaten Hector Lombard. You know, a post-Uzada Hector Lombard. And, um, he's fought, he's beaten Kelvin Gastelum. So, that's a pretty good win. Um, he's lost to Damian Maya, and he's beaten a lot of other good guys. Eh. He's, he's winning against Tim Means, Rodrigo D. Lima, Alex Garcia, William Patolino, Konichi Kumamoto, Hungu Lim, and he's won against Eric Silva. He's lost against Damian Maya, he's lost against Lorenzo Larkins, and he's lost against Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, Carlos Condit has fought in guys like GSP. He's fought in Damian Maya. He's fought in Nick Diaz. He's fought in Dan Hardy. He's fought, uh, Roy McDonald. He's fought Dong Young Kim. He's fought, uh, Tiago Alves. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's fought and fought in a murderer's row. Of people, so Carlos definitely has the advantage when it comes to experience. Plus, Carlos was a kickboxer before he fought, made his transition to MMA. You know, the only fault that Carlos has ever had has been his wrestling. His wrestling defense it hasn't been that good. You know, guys would just overpower him and take him down. You know, he has a good guard, and for a wrestler that's not able to get out of it, well, obviously they will tap, and it won't be a, it won't be like you know, there's people that have gotten prone to being caught in Carlos Condit's guard, but, you know, guys like GSP were able to beat up Carlos Condit and uh, take him down. You know, Damian Amaya was able to take Carlos Condit down and, and choke him out. And um, then it wasn't a... It wasn't a fight after that, you know? He, he's been out since his fight with Damian Amaya. He was, he was citing retirement out.
But I think what he needed was time off, and he came back, and, and now he's set to fight Neil Magny. I feel like Carlos Condit is a superior striker on the feet. He's much better than Neil Magny. You know, Neil Magny's a big guy. He's a thick guy. He has a lot of muscle. He, he's big for the weight class. And, uh, and, you know, he's, he has, he, he has good cardio as well. You know, he went five rounds with, uh, Kelvin Gaslam. So, uh, he has real good cardio. He has good pressure. And, uh, he, he has a good chin as well, you know. It, it takes a lot to take out Neil Magny. You know, Lorenz Larkin was able to do it. And it was an excellent fight. But, um, no, for Lorenz Larkin, it was good for, but, but for Neil Magny, you know, he, Carlos Condit probably, aside from Damian Maya, is his next biggest fight, you know. He's fought in big names. He's fought in Kelvin, obviously. So Kelvin, Carlos, Damian, and Rafael Dos Anjos. They're all big names. He's fought in big names, but he hasn't won against them. So could Carlos Condit be the one to beat him? I think Carlos Condit should be the one to beat him because Carlos is, he, he's very good. You know, Carlos is very good. So I think Carlos... I think Carlos gets the job done, you know, for his comeback fight. You know, I'm rooting for Carlos because I think it's Carlos is creative. He's a creative striker. He's great. He's great on his feet. He has a lot of creative stuff. He has knockout power, and he's a nasty striker as well. So Carlos kind of overpowers Neil Magny and beats the fuck out of him. Un unanimous decision victory for Carlos Condit. All right, what's next, ladies and gentlemen? I don't want to talk anymore about UFC 219. That was a little preview. We'll probably talk about it when, when time comes by a little bit later. To, uh, well, time goes by, I mean, like, when it's closer to UFC 219, I mean. Uh, how long do we have until UFC 219 anyways? December 30th. We have a couple weeks before December 30th. So that'll be good. All right. Um, I don't think we got anything else, ladies and gentlemen. Is that it? But um, when are we going to have some guests on this Jimmy Kermit show? Uh, it's been a while since we had guests, honestly. And um, it's all right, though. You know, we've been able to sit here and talk to each other for quite some time and, and been able to have good shows regardless if we don't have guests on. We still got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Keaton Jones. Very smart little boy who was being bullied at school. I'm sure you guys seen this this video that's been on social media as of late. He's been bullied, but he's been but he's been reached out to by a lot of professional athletes. Um Stepe Miocic, Daniel Cormier, even Donald Trump Jr. So you know, it, it's uh it's it's a real good it's a real good thing to have a bunch of mixed martial arts athletes reach out to you and be willing to sacrifice their time to make a little boy's life better because you know when it comes to bullying bullying is not an acceptable thing no matter what happens no matter what you're going through what are bullies why do bullies why why do bullies exist you know what we do in with bullies now. They get their ass beat because it's world mixed martial arts. So now he's got Daniel Cormier. He's got Stipe Miocic. And I'm pretty sure the whole UFC is going to team up. And they're, and now they have him behind their support. They're supporting him. Because bullying leads to suicide. You've seen a lot of people commit suicide due to bullying. It's not a good thing. It's not a it's not a thing to be proud about. Don't be happy because you beat up on someone that couldn't defend themselves. What do you get out of it? Self self pleasure. It's not a good get self pleasure off of a off of a getting paid up for working. Get self pleasure from accomplishing a goal, not from a beating up on a little kid that can't defend himself or a little kid, innocent kid that just trying to live his life and and is just the same like you and me. I don't see how anyone could get pleasure from that, but um, shout out to him. That would be awesome to meet him one day. Um, I know that he is going to be seen, seeing Dana White, and he's gotten a hold of their parents, I'm pretty sure, and he's going to see Dana White and probably meet a lot of the UFC fighters and probably be 
at one of the next UFC events. You know, maybe get some training in. You know, some of these bullies turn into some of the best fucking fighters. He'll beat the bully's ass. You know, it's a, he's a... He's a young guy that 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 has been bullied, and you know he's gonna learn to turn into savage. He's gonna he's gonna triumph over all those things, and it's gonna be a beautiful thing. You know, shout out to him. Bullies unacceptable. Suicide's unacceptable. People should have to go through those things and and have to suffer like that. But um, just wanted to give him a little quick shout out before we get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Pre- appreciate you guys for joining us here. On this episode, that is it for us today. Obviously, like I said, it was Monday, December 11th. So everyone was live right now. A lot of people, Ariel's live, Joe's live. So I thought it would be necessary to be like live with them. And it's cool. And I don't work today. So we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. Basically, talked about everything. So you guys better tune in. This is a super episode today. It was a good one. I had fun. Um, next week, we might do segments later. Segments, uh... Later this week, if we don't, we'll, we'll be back, obviously, next week for another episode of the G Meeker MMA Show, episode 131. You guys know where to find me, at G Meeker underscore MMA on Instagram, at G Meeker MMA on Twitter, Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123, Facebook.com slash Hernandez. You guys follow me on Instagram, mostly. I'm active on there, mostly. Snapchat at G Meeker underscore MMA. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week, motherfuckers. Thanks to Anchor Radio and thanks to Apple Podcasts for hosting this amazing podcast on there and allowing listeners all over the world to listen to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week. Jimmy Grimmie, out, baby.